what it's really like to live and be born in the Gaza Strip. Our first guest uh, wrote a great article for theglobeandmail.com if you want to check it out. Uh, It's called, To be born in the Gaza Strip is to have experienced a kind of collective punishment. Uh, So with some unique first-hand experience of actually having gone there, worked there, and lived there for a time, let's check in with Calgary-based writer and former aid worker in Gaza, Claire Porter-Robbins. Claire, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Hi, Chelsea. Yeah, thank you for having me on. You you write beautifully uh, about your own personal experience there. Can you just explain that for us and just kind of just clarify how you're coming at this story, what it was that you did in Gaza when you were there? Yeah, so I wrote this story through the perspective of a little girl I know who lives there named Reem. She's two and a half years old. And the reason I did that is there's a lot of uh, opinion pieces about, um, you know, I'm pro-Israel or I'm pro-Palestinian. And I understand why people have those um, those stances. But at the end of the day, it's really about humans. And I, I wanted people to understand what Gaza is like through the eyes of an innocent person. And um, so I chose her, and also I feel like there's so many statistics about Gaza, and you read them, and it's just hard to fully understand them from Canada. So um, I chose Reem. Um, She's my friend's daughter. I I used to work for Doctors Without Borders, and I worked in Jerusalem, the West Bank, and Gaza. Excuse me. So I, I met Ruba, her mother, who's a pediatrician, and she's just a delightful, warm, wonderful person. And we'd occasionally go out for coffee, and she would bring her youngest child, Reem, um, with us because she was still sort of a baby at that point, but two years old. And she told me the story of when Reem was born in um, May of 2021, and that was when there was a big war um, between Gaza and Israel. And um, Ruba was so scared to have to give birth um, in a war. She didn't know if the hospitals are safe. And we've seen that play out yesterday. Those fears are very real. And she didn't know if she could get to the hospital safely without being bombed while they were driving there. And so the article focuses on how every circumstance since the moment she was born um, is the circumstance of a war crime. And it is my opinion in this piece that the Israel and Egypt's blockade on Gaza, which has been going on for about 16 years now, is a war crime. And how that affects her is that um, of her peers, 50%, about 50% are living at the poverty line. Uh, 64% are relying on food aid because it's impossible to have an economy in this 42-kilometer strip. Um, And how she'll never be able to travel. She'll never go on a road trip with her parents. She'll she'll dream about going to the places that we in Canada dream about going to, like Disneyland or Mm -hmm. Paris or something like that. But that's just not a reality for her. Um, She'll never be able to leave the strip. So uh, that's... How I how I took the situation. You bring the story to life, I think, in in such a way that anyone that's reading to it, reading it, is really going to feel connected to it. Um, I 
also have a daughter that was born in May 2021. And I think it's really interesting to kind of look at the differences of the way of life just because of where you happen to be born. You know, we're talking about an innocent child in your article and in many other cases when we're talking about Gaza and and the people that are there. When, When you were there yourself, Claire, what did it feel like? What was your takeaway in terms of the atmosphere and the people and the the oppression that they live under? What did you what did you learn or what did you sort of absorb during your time? Yeah, um it it is life in Gaza is very grim, but I I don't want that to overshadow how generous and warm those people are, as I'm sure any listener who's ever been to the Middle East can relate to. People are so generous and they're so, especially in Gaza, so happy that you're coming to bear witness to their suffering. But, um, you know, that comes with sort of an emotional toll. And people approach you on the street and they tell you, and they speak English a lot because people there are very educated. but they tell you about the horrible things that they've been through, losing people in other wars, how they're just barely scraping by. And they want the world to know about what's happening in Gaza. And it is such a shame that we're really having these conversations only when war breaks mm-hmm. out because things are very, very grim, very bleak, um, even in times where it's supposedly peace. I I think people are kind of starting now to wrap their heads around what has been going on for the last 16 years that hasn't really had a light shone on it. And now, you know, some of these conversations and these stories can reveal to us in other parts of the world just what has been taking place. And obviously there's some speculation about what's going to happen moving forward. Are you in communication Mm -hmm. with Reem and with her mom now? Have they had to flee? Where are they? Yeah, so... Ruba and Reem, uh, they live in Gaza City, which is in the area that Israel has ordered people to evacuate from. So for starters, their their home, they were evacuated once from their home in Gaza City because a bomb hit um, the house next to them. And as I wrote in the article, some of Reem's playmates were, were killed in that in that strike. Um, so they got the order for evacuation and they've gone to the south, but I probably get one text from Ruba a day. I'm texting her all the time, but they often aren't delivered because they've run out of electricity. And as I say in the article, you know, Ruba just grabbed her emergency go bag, which every family in Gaza has. And she realized there weren't warm enough clothes for Reem in there. And she told me what a horrible feeling it is to not be able to protect your child from any bad event, even just bad weather. And so um, now they're in the south, um, that place where they're supposed to evacuate to. But she told me last night, um, bombs went off around 1040. She got out of the house in time, um, but just barely. So now she's being ordered to evacuate from two places that she was staying in. And she's worried about the mental toll on her children. Um, and I haven't heard from her since. I, I said, I'm so sorry. And those those messages did not go through. You know, I can hear even in your voice, Claire, as you're talking about this is something that is obviously pulling at your heart, as of course it, it would be. And I think so many of us are seeing some of these 
really horrific images and we're mm-hmm. feeling that emotional pull. And in your case, you know, you've got the unique perspective of having a, a former relationship with this person, a friendship with this person, um, with Ruba and and of course with Reem too. What mm-hmm. what are you feeling that people are either not understanding about this war, this conflict, or what do you hope that people understand about the people that are living in Gaza and their lives there? Um, I, I think I would say, you know, this war has brought so much suffering for Israeli people, for people in Gaza, for people all over the world who have these relationships. I, I think people, one, need to be disappointed in our government for not calling for a ceasefire now that there are, I think, close to 4,000 people dead on each side, 4,000 people who are family members, people who are loved ones. It's really disappointing to see. And second, I think that beyond ceasefire, we need to think about what Gaza will be like after this Mm -hmm. and think about how the occupation, um, apartheid, how that affects their day-to-day lives and what we can do to ensure that little kids like Reem can grow up in freedom, in peace and security, just like kids on, you know, kids in Canada. I think they've already lived through so much. And you talk a little bit about that in the article. You know, while I have you, Claire, I just want to kind of emphasize what life is really like there. You mentioned a report uh, that talks about suicide statistics for kids Mm -hmm. in Gaza, and it's really heartbreaking. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so um, the statistic is from Save the Children. It was done in 2022. They did psychological assessments on a sample, I think, close to 500 kids. And they found that over half of them um, had suicidal ideation. And I think when you're living so close to death, when you're finding out that your your family or your, your playmates has been killed and there's no there's no reasonable explanation to a child why that's happened. There's no reasonable explanation to a, a person. It really takes a toll, and and so does the poverty. I in another article I spoke about how after a brief war in August 2022, I was interviewing some kids who had um, been injured in a blast on their building. Their home was destroyed. They had some fractured bones, um, some some wounds on their skin. And afterwards, after our interview, they asked um, the social worker, um, can, I, can, can we get some money for a taxi or a ride back to where we're staying? We don't have money for that. And I just can't imagine the mental toll of not being able to have the money to access the care that you need, the simple care of changing bandages, the simple ride to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't, people in Palestine, of course, are resilient, but there's no way that you can live through that without taking on some serious mental wounds. What do you hope that Canadians do? How can people help? Um, well, there's lots of, um, there's lots of charities that are, are raising money. And the unfortunate thing is, Aid cannot get into Gaza right now mm-hmm. because there was some announcement of a humanitarian bridge, which is great, but nothing can truly be restored until there's a ceasefire. So please, if you're listening, write to your government uh, or write to your MP, um, ask for a ceasefire. 
And there are some wonderful organizations, Israeli human rights organizations, that support um, human rights advocacy. They support anti-apartheid campaigns. My favorite is Bet Salem. Um, it's B-T-S-E-L-E-M. And they document human rights abuses, and they lobby the Israeli government to um, make changes. Claire, thank you so much for your work on this and for making the time this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I really appreciate it. That's Claire Porter-Robbins, a Calgary-based writer and former aid worker in Gaza, uh, painting a pretty heartbreaking picture of what's been going on there for so many people and, of course, for her friends, her personal friends, Ruba and her um, almost two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Reem. Um, one, two of over a million people that have had to flee Gaza and really struggling to find a way out.